Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. Now we're going to be, you know, we're uh, going to be talking about hope. You know, the word hope actually is defined in many different ways when you say that word. It can even be the way you say hope defines it. There's different phrases we use for hope. Sometimes you've heard people say, well, I, I hope so. What that means is it ain't going to happen. You know, it's like, ah, no chance, right? You know, you're like, I'll just try to be nice, but it's not going to happen. So we can actually use hope in the exact opposite way of hoping for anything. And then we have the kind of a 50-50 hope. You're like, I, uh, hoping and praying, you know, which means it could tip either way. You know, that's, that's a hope, right? And so we define it this way. Uh, phrases we use often include hope. Uh, how about this? Is, oh, I don't want to get my hopes up. Don't want to get my hope up. What, what does that mean? And I think that really helps you define the vulnerability of hope, right? Because why do you say that? Is because you're saying, I don't want to start putting expectations something that may not take place. I don't want to get my hopes up. Because I don't want what? Disappointment, right? No one here has experienced disappointment with things they've hoped in, have you? Right? So we understand hope is this vulnerable word, but we often define it, you know, like in the wrong ways. It's not optimism. It's not looking on the bright side. If you really understand, like in the biblical word of hope, the word that is interpreted from Greek would be just simply living in expectation for what is sure and certain. Living in expectation for what is sure and certain. And in that, the word actually means to anticipate and to welcome. So what's out in the future that you're sure of, you welcome into the present. And when you do that, it brings hope. You know, as we, if we think about humans, I, don't, I thought of a more spiritual word for this, but I couldn't come up with one, so it, it fuels us. <laughs> hope fuels humans, right? It's, it's really the thing that you have to have to live. You have to hope in something or you lose hope and you die physically and emotionally. And in all ways, it, it's deep within us. It's not optional. It's like, oh, I think I'll not be someone who hopes. The way we're designed by God is we're always hoping. And of course, the question becomes, what are we hoping in? What are we looking towards to give us reason and purpose for our life? And so everybody in this room, everybody online, you're hoping. You're hoping for something. You're hoping in something. And it can be something in which that is really good. And, and there's even, just in just a way, even in physical things that we hope for or circumstantial things we hope for, like for instance, we adopted both of our girls. And, there was, and this isn't always the case, but we actually got a call on both of them saying both the birth father and the birth mother both have signed. It's a done deal. And the baby is coming, right? And so we flew to California for a lease. We waited at our home for Emily. But, but the thing was, is once we hoped in that, we understood the baby wasn't in our arms, right? The child wasn't in our arms. But as soon as we trusted in that coming, guess what? Our life changed. We were in a whole different world during that time of waiting, that helps us understand kind of how hope works in kind of a practical way. And, but it can be in rot, there's a continuum on that. Like, you know, I remember I had this really horrible job. I assembled tennis rackets. It's a long story. But I, I was in high school. I got somehow, I got, I don't know if I was legal or not, but I was 14 or 15, I can't remember. And I, it was a miserable job. 
And I thought, how did I do that? I hoped in the money that I was going to get because I could buy a car. I just had the vision of the car that was coming in my mind, and I, it gave me through that, right? You know, there's places where it can be in those small things. Debbie and I are flying tomorrow to Denver, Colorado, to the National uh, Leadership Meeting at Vineyard. We love those people. We can't wait to see them. Kind of having a rough week. Guess what I thought of? Oh, next week. So there's a spot. I'm looking at what's ahead. It starts affecting my present, right? I'm in the plane in the middle seat, which I seem to always get. I'm not sure how this works. Uh, Southwest seems to be my problem. And so I'm in the middle seat and uh, with my mask on. I'm not enjoying myself, but I keep thinking I'm going to land soon in Denver and it's going to be good, right? So this is really, all of us are hoping in many things. And, and you can even hope in things that are destructive, <laughs> but you're still hoping in them. Like, there's a point in my life before I knew Jesus, my life was in so much pain, I hoped for the weekends where I could, dump, I could numb my pain and get some freedom from the pain I was in. Didn't, wasn't a good thing to hope in, but I had to hope in something. And so as we look at this, understanding everybody here is putting your hope in something. And as Christians, we know the right answer, like we're supposed to put the hope in God, but we're going to talk about that and how that really looks. You know, when we start recognizing this thing about hope, we start understanding, okay, the hard thing about hoping in this world, in these temporal things, is we don't know if they're really going to happen. Now, if you're real young in this room, you still kind of think they're all going to happen. <laughs> but if we went and asked everybody individually, we, we won't put you on the spot anymore. We've done enough with Easter eggs. But if we put you on the spot and say, I want you to tell me about if you ever had a deep disappointment almost crushed you in your life, that you really believed was the right thing, the thing that was good that was coming, the thing that you thought might happen, everybody would have stories, right? And, and the older you get, the more stories you have because you start realizing this world is not fair. This world is broken in sin, and this, this world is, it has a place in which that there's pain and, and suffering. And so those things, sure, we have times in which hopes are fulfilled, but many times those hopes aren't. And the reality of it is, is even if you have a good string of a lot of hopes being fulfilled, you think, you know it could change. It's just an uncertainty, right? We'll still always hope for better things, but what, what we actually need is we need what is referred to as living hope. The Bible refers to it as living hope. It's a different way, because we can hope in things and think this is the right thing, and we, have you ever had that before? You think, this really felt like the right thing, and all of a sudden it just crumbles on you. When you think about Peter, that's what you see. When you look, in the, when you look at Peter, I love it in, in Peter and the story, because it's kind of like a documentary. It's like how he went through the whole thing from Lord's Supper on, and you can kind of see what happened step by step. And so it started, you know, Peter's all ready to go. He's hoping, man. He's full of hope, and he thinks he understands who Jesus is. He thinks he understands where this is going to. He thinks he's clear on this. He's putting his weight on this. He's putting his life on the line with this, and then all of a sudden, things start happening. After Lord's Supper, he gets a little hazy, like, oh, man, he said some things are confusing there. And all of a sudden, he's in the garden, and he's, and he's crying out to the Father, and he's getting a little shaky, right? But then he gets to a point that he gets arrested, and he's, like, watching this, and then he watches him be, have a mock trial and be beaten and crucified, and he dies. You have to understand, what you see is Peter, he had expectations and what was coming. But he had the wrong expectations of what was coming. 
And guess what? His hope was crushed. But then what we see at the resurrection, we see the empty tomb, and what we have at that point, you start seeing this thing build within Peter. He starts thinking, wow, there's something here. And a different hope, a hope, a true hope, a living hope that we're going to talk about started forming to the point that as he had an encounter with Jesus after the tomb, it went another notch. And then the ascension, it went another notch. But then at Pentecost, the way that the Holy Spirit came and he received this living hope. And it changed him. He became a whole different person because of having this living hope. And so, now, here we have Peter who has, you know, has lived a long life. So, this is, he wrote to the church, you know, after, after he wrote to the church, in, and it was 30 years, over 30 years after the resurrection. And the thing is, is he's just had a beautiful life since then. No, he's actually, Rome has got meaner. I mean, they're doing horrible things. And he's been in, he's been in jail, and, and right after, not long after he wrote this letter, he was crucified. So it wasn't like he had circumstances that started switching all around after Pentecost, but he had a living hope. And what you see is after 30 years, it actually became greater, not weaker. It didn't fade off. It actually built. And so he's writing to us. He's writing to the church. And he's wanting us to understand this living hope. This is for us. And what he says is this, praise be to God and the, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be saved, ready to be revealed at the last time. So what I love about this, he's speaking of this living hope. A couple things about living hope. He makes it clear is it's not temporal. And there's, it will never leave. It will never perish. It won't go sideways. You guys ever had hopes that went sideways and spoiled? You know, it will not fade off. It actually is so strong it will become stronger as you live in it. And so you look at this, it's, it's a place in which that, and I love the way it puts it. It won't spoil, it won't perish, spoil, or fade. And then it's secured and shielded by God, our faith in these things. And there's, he's protecting it so it can't be taken it can't be stolen. It can't be overcome. And then the last part is, it's an inheritance. It's an inheritance. It's, it's, it's a guaranteed inheritance that's coming, guaranteed and backed by God. That's way better than backed by whoever else wakes backs our, our things. Like it's backed by God. Now, in Romans, Paul puts it this way, we've gained access by faith into grace, and now in which we stand we boast in the hope of the glory of God. In other words, it's so firm that we can say, I, don't have to worry. I, can, I can be boasting in it now, I can be thinking about it now, I can be taking it now before I even have it. 
I'm actually able to experience it. And he goes on, and, you know, so we, he goes on, he says, in this we greatly rejoice. In this we greatly rejoice, though for a little while you may have had a, to suffer grief of all ki- uh, in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the, that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in the praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. As you think about this, I love how it talks about this, is that first off, we, are greatly re- we just greatly rejoice in this. We just live in this place of gratitude for it. When you grasp what, is, what your future is, you live in thanksgiving. If you, the more you grasp it, the more, gracious, more grateful you become. And so as you look at this, as he talks about this, I love where he talks about this place of perspective. You know, he says, because what he's doing, he's saying, wait a second, what is this hope like? in a world that is far from perfect, in a world that is broken, in a world that has such evil and injustice and racism and pain and suffering. How does this hope work in this? And he recognizes that we're living with this hope in a world that is far from perfect. And I love what he says in this because he says, you know, we have this just for a little while. When you, when you get a grasp of what's coming, you are understanding it in perspective, right? You're 70 to 80 years, you might get out of life if you're fortunate, right? You start understanding it looks very different when you have an eternal view of life. When you have an eternal view of life, even in p- places that are difficult, like this earth sometimes, you understand it's just a small bit of the larger. So first he's basically saying, when you get this hope, it changes your perspective on what life is. It's a lot longer. This is a short period of time. It's very important, but it's very short. And, and in that, so then the question becomes, well, how does my hope not get knocked around? And how does it not be taken away from me in a world that's like this? And he addresses this. And he, what he talks about, he compares it to gold. And what he compares it to, he's saying the, the thing that we would think that would get us the most good things that we hope for, gold... It's not even comparable. Why? Because gold perishes. But this hope continues on. In other words, gold will not make it. You can't take it with you. You guys heard plenty of jokes about that. Or you can't take that with you. It's, it's, a, it's a 70 to 80 year you know, use. For, that's it. It's not worth much. So the comparison is like, this is so much more important than any amount of gold you could have to have this hope. But then it's interesting because it doesn't, it speaks of it more like, but there is something that I can compare it to to gold, what he's saying in this this last part, he's basically saying when gold is under pressure and refined by fire, right, the impurities come out and become stronger and more pure. So what it's saying is, what it is like is that your faith in this place of hoping in what's ahead as you have that become your living hope and trials come, it doesn't weaken that faith, it doesn't weaken that hope what it actually does, it strengthens that hope. It makes that hope more clear and more pro- profound, and you live in that hope to a greater degree. So as things come against it and you turn to that eternal hope, these things actually create increased hope. 
And we see scriptures that talk about that all the way where all these things take place in difficult times and the result ultimately is that we come out with hope because of how this works. And so as he's dressing this place of the falling world, he goes on and then he talks about something I think is real important. He compares it to this place of, of it's a relationship. He says, though, you have not, though we have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe. In him we are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, for we are receiving the end result of your, you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. You know, the living, it's a living hope. Salvation isn't something that was, you, you say this prayer and you get the contract and Jesus puts it in the drawer until you die, right? Or something like that. Salvation is part of what we experience. God redeeming and bringing life out of us from the very beginning. And it's very relational. The living hope is Jesus himself. It's a place in which that we automatically actually can come into relationship and he can become part of how we live. And so he's our living hope. And so he's been talking about it. And we get, even though we don't see him, we can relate to him and connect to him. God is personal. God is relational. You know, he, he, even though we don't see him, naturally we're able to see him. You understand, Peter was able to know Jesus way more after Pentecost than he could before. You know, it's kind of interesting. We can know Jesus clearly because he's given us his spirit and he's with us. Now, we're at a spot, I think, in, in our world right now. I don't know if you've noticed this, but things are not stable. Have <laughs> you noticed? You feel like it's a little bit like, I feel a bit vulnerable these days. Wars happening, pandemics, this and that, political unrest, you know? And we can think about, okay, I'm going to hope in this new thing. I'm hoping this new thing, these temporal things. And, and you kind of recognize that doesn't really work all the way, Right? You start understanding what Proverbs says is hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And we're at a place that many are people trying to figure out what to hope in. And I'm, in, I'm right there with them saying, and I'm recognizing when it's temporal, it's short-lived and it's uncertain. I'll still hope for all kinds of things. But what I need is I need a living hope. I need to understand clearly what is coming and what is secure and I need that to come into my present life now and affect the way I live. That's what I need. I need that living hope. And I think all of us do. You know, there's an invitation. I want to get all the words that come up. The invitation is really just going to be, a, I'm going to just pray over you. Invitation, we use this as kind of a way that, you know, how do you respond to what we just talked about? How do you respond to the scriptures? And for me... What, I'm, what I want you to just take in is that there is a living hope because of Christ's resurrection that is now available to us. And it does not disappoint. And the more you trust that living hope, it doesn't get weaker, it doesn't fade, it doesn't spoil, it actually gets stronger. 
and you are able to live in a world that is pretty crazy sometimes, and you're able to go through even things that are painful, and it will actually increase this living hope. It'll become, you'll become more secure because your life is no longer based on these things that aren't certain. Your life is based on the things that are true and can be, you can have confidence in. And so what I'd like you to do is I'd like you just to stand. I want to just read this over you as kind of a prayer because maybe you're here and you're thinking, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm an all-in Christian. I, I want to follow Jesus fully. Maybe you're in a spot where you're thinking, I don't know what I think for sure about this or I've been in between. I'm not sure where, where my life is on this. This prayer works for everybody. <laughs> Because what we need is we need God to open our eyes to the reality of who Jesus is, and we all need, to a greater degree, this hope doesn't disappoint. That we start anchoring our life, whether we've known Jesus forever, or we're just deciding, I need a different anchor than I have before. I need a different hope. I need a living hope. For the very first time, this prayer still applies. So just close your eyes, and just pray this over you, and just take this in. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. So God, would you help us to begin trusting you in what you say to be true? Would you Allow us to yield our life to you, to quit trying to run our own life. I say this to myself, quit trying to run my own life and allow you to lead me. I need you, Jesus. I need this living hope at a greater degree in my life. God, open my eyes to this. Help me trust in it. Show me how to live this way. Yes, he sings in Jesus' name. Amen.